Hello and welcome to Brand Tuned, Successful Brand, Successful Business, the show for entrepreneurs and brand creators where we discuss personal and business branding to give you ideas and inspiration for your own brand. I'm Shireen Smith, lawyer, entrepreneur, author, and advocate for developing purpose-based brands to change the world. Chrissy Lightfoot is a prominent international legal figure, an entrepreneur turned solicitor, and back again as CEO of Entrepreneur Lawyer. She's written several books, including The Naked Lawyer and Tomorrow's Naked Lawyer. During her career, she has built a formidable personal brand and helped lawyers with their brands. In this episode, I'm going to be asking Chrissy to tell us how she went about doing that, as it's highly relevant in today's changing world for us all to build our personal brands rather than having faceless businesses. So I'm really happy to welcome you here today, Chrissy Lightfoot. Hello. Hi, Shireen. Really pleased to be here as well. Thank you for inviting me and, and happy to share. So let's start at the beginning. What was your first job? Were you already doing this branding work before you took up law as a career? How how was it your career before then? Um, in all honesty, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> prior to becoming a lawyer, I, I was... Uh, um, involved in a number of different industries. I, I was in the, the printing press, the digital printing area. I was in the leisure industry, working in uh, a country club. I've worked in the leisure industry, um, in a health club. Uh, w- what I would say, though, is you know, prior to becoming a lawyer, in all of those industries, and when I was doing consultancy even, uh, my forte tended to fall on the side of marketing and branding. It was just a natural um, skill set and understanding. Um, so I was I was naturally working in the innovation of marketing and, and using new ways, for example, you know, with the internet uh, and, and even using email, the, on, the, on, um, the, the massive email that, that people started to go online to start marketing and, and selling. I had had an internet business around uh, 2000. So, you know, I was always experimenting with new ways and innovative ways of marketing. And and that invariably included branding and PR as well. So how to get clients, how to keep clients and all the rest of it. So uh, the progression of that, naturally, once I trained to become a solicitor, I was using the skills where I'd been successful in different roles in other industries and brought those into my role as a trainee solicitor that helped support the law firm I was currently with at that time. Why did you choose to qualify as a lawyer? I think I'd come to a point in my life where, as as a businesswoman, I had experienced roles in operations and marketing and sales, HR, even even accountancy. Uh, Strategy was a big one. And I noticed that in all of my roles and the businesses I'd been involved in up until my mid-30s, before I did train to become a lawyer, were... um, Law was an integral part of being in business, and and I always wanted to have an understanding of well, you know, in business the the legal aspect was fundamental to helping the company succeed, in lots of ways. Obviously, regarding employees and employer uh, legal um, 
issues. Obviously, IP was a big issue, you know, how to protect and exploit mm-hmm. intellectual property in your business. And then the basic company law, corporate law, um, statutory things you have to do in a business and how you run your company and corporate governance and all the rest of it. And I, I, I actually found I had um, a, a keen interest in understanding more about that. So mm-hmm. I decided just a, a change of, of journey, really, in my mid-30s. I thought, actually, maybe it's the right time now for me to study law and understand so I can actually use all of those skill sets um, you know, as I matured further and went into business again, I always envisioned I would go back into business. Um, I didn't really know what my route was going to be as a traditional lawyer, let's call it that. But I did want to really get under the hood of, of a law firm and, and understand from a lawyer's side why they went about doing things the way they did when they were advising businesses, which, which at that point in time, I felt there was a huge gap in the market that a lot of businesses in the UK were underserved or neglected by, you know, law, the lawyers, the traditional set of the law firms back at, in that point in time. So I always had a vision that maybe if I understood more about that, then I may be able to be an entrepreneurial lawyer, hence, you know, my brand, entrepreneurial lawyer. Mm-hmm. So that I, you know, as a lawyer, I could serve entrepreneurs. But then obviously, when I became an entrepreneur again, I could actually work with lawyers and say look there's a new way to be more entrepreneurial and how you can get your message out there how you can relate to customers and clients and particularly SMEs and what have you so I did have a kind of idea of what I wanted to do once I had studied the law and become a solicitor but I was unsure as to how that was going to pan out I just wanted to have lots of options. How did the decision to write Naked Lawyer come about? Oh right well (laughs) that that was um it was once I'd finished my um, training as a, as a solicitor, my training contract, uh, because at that point in time, we'd, the, the global recession had hit. I did my training contract between 2006 and 2009. And obviously, we had the, the property market falling in 2006 to 8. Mm. Then we had the global crisis, 2008 onwards. Um, and I got to the end of my training. And throughout the last... A year of my training, once I'd finished my LPC anyway, I focused heavily on um, trying to help the firm I was at get more clients and keep clients they've got and use new techniques in marketing to um, myself, using my own personality and my personal branding that I was devising back then and a new model uh, as to how to attract clients using online methods, social media, social networks, and all the rest of it. So um, I'd actually um, achieved uh, something that was quite unique at that point in time where I was using my personal brand in the marketplace, online and offline, which was successful in attracting new clients to the law firm I was working with. And then uh, when I got to the end of my training, um, I decided that for my future, what was best was I could see there was a huge gap in the marketplace, that there was a real need for lawyers to to understand how to market brand and sell themselves so they could do um, a similar model that I'd actually proven whilst I was in the law firm. And I could see it was a much needed um, process because at that point in time, obviously with a global recession, then firms, although the firms, although they'd battened down the hatches and, and slashed marketing budgets and innovation budgets and uh, uh, wanted to slash costs and, and really just try and keep lean and muddle through a very difficult uh, financial period. Um, as I as I came at the end of my training contract and then branched out on my own with my new company, 
which was all about helping support lawyers and barristers, solicitors, uh, students think about new ways and innovative ways of actually attracting clients and keeping them in this new digital age that was obviously on the horizon. So it was a natural progression. And I thought, well, how is the best way to go about getting my message out, you know, of what I did and how I did it. And then uh, the idea of the book, that was it. And uh, because obviously a book will reach many people very quickly once it's written. And it's just a case of obviously marketing it and getting it out there. Um, and then using the, the book really as a, a launch pad to then actually work and consult more closely with those innovative lawyers who could see that this is a new and better way to actually relate to clients and to keep clients. Um, so, so that was it, really. So how, how did you use your personal brand to attract clients, you know, both online and offline before you wrote the book? It was a it was um, sales process that I'd learned when I was in the health club industry. Um, I have actually documented it in full uh, in the Naked Lawyer. It, it's ten steps. It's a sales process, really, uh-huh. which does start with um, really knowing yourself. You know, personal brand begins with being you know authentically yourself. But a lot of people really struggle with um, the the work that I've put into chapter two for if you're a reader to actually work through chapter two, that is a really chunky chapter that really gets under the skin of the reader to really think about themselves and think about what are their strengths, what what are the opportunities, you know, forget about the weaknesses and the threats, but read to work on themselves as an individual. And from that, once really identified who they are, what they are, what what what's their real passion, what is it they really want to focus on, then, you know, you can get into the nuts and bolts of really finding out what is going to be your niche. So, you know, you really have to find a niche of the a niche of a niche even in, in order to stand out, you know, to be a, a big fish in a small pond rather than be a small fish among seven billion people kind of thing. So moving yeah. from, you know, knowing yourself to having a niche, once you've got that, then you can start devising that personal brand. So that's really how your ideal client is going to connect with you and resonate with you and and the kind of messaging that you want to reach out to them. So you don't have to actually push stuff to them. They will naturally come to you. So that's about how you then use your strapline personal brand, let's call it that, online to attract your ideal client that starts to come to you. And from that, you know, your personal brand um, is really a resonance of of your ultimate um, connection with your client, if that makes sense. So, you know, moving from, you know, your authentic self to finding that niche, to developing your personal brand, to finding that space online that hasn't been occupied, that that sits with your personal brand. So entrepreneur lawyer, Chrissy Life at the Entrepreneur Lawyer, for example, if you did a search in Google for the words entrepreneur and lawyer together or two separate words together back in um, 2007, 2008, it didn't even come up on Google. So you never found it. So, I mean, it was, it was a complete free space. So I thought, well, wow. that's, that's a market that you can create because, you know, there's entrepreneurs out there looking for lawyers. So, you know, you can actually start to actually create the market. So uh, whereas now, if you do a search for entrepreneur lawyer, you'll find pages deep in Google where you've got those mm-hmm. kind of terms. So it's it's about, you know, trying to think smartly about how to position yourself so that you can be unique in a space. And then um, what you do then is actually, or what I did was you you create some content in authoritative sources. So some of the key magazines, 
or the key easings mm-hmm. and obviously the mainstream press if you can because you know you're not talking about yourself you're really talking about the successes and how you've helped other people or helped clients so you know people are interested in the story of you but they're also interested in the success stories of how you've helped people so you know mm-hmm. going from getting the book out there to helping the lawyers to then putting a lot more content on LinkedIn and Twitter in particular um then obviously there was a natural crescendo of activity and then obviously with with the book being out there I I was asked to go and speak um, all around the world different countries where there was a real appetite and interest that uh, lawyers or associations were keen to hear about this new way or improved way of how we could use digital media basically to to help to help the lawyers actually make that step to 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 relate with their clients in a in a way that is the way of the world right now as well. Sure, yes. Yeah. And, and so what sort of clients were you attracting? A whole range, actually, Shireen. It was it was really interesting. I mean, I was quite surprised. Um it, from day one, once the um the book was out there, I think it was launched end of November, early December 2010. And um in the run-up to that, I did actually put Chapter 1 out for free about six months prior to the actual launch of the book, uh, simply mm-hmm. to to whet the appetite and to get a feel from readers uh, that they liked the tone and the feel of it and where it was headed. So there was an expectation in the marketplace as to, to what The Naked Lawyer was going to be. And mm-hmm. um, so once it was actually out there and, and um, available, I got asked uh, by ALPMA, which is the Australian Legal Practice Management Association, to keynote in their major conference that coming year. That would have been 2011. So I was straight out of the trap. So quite surprised that, uh, you know, jettisoned straight into a high level um, leading event over in Australia. And then from that, I got asked to speak in New Zealand and then places in Europe and South America and Scandinavia uh, so over the, the following three or four years from The Naked Lawyer, and it's it's still being bought now. I mean, it's 10 years now because it's it, it's actually just as relevant now as it was then, and if not more, because, you know, the, the reason for The Naked Lawyer is it's all about the soft skills that lawyers will need because in later years, i.e. now, um, a lot of technology will start to do what lawyers do. Therefore, you know, the skill sets that the technology can't do is that soft skills, empathy, um, creativity kind of stuff that humans are really good at. Um, so it, it, I was really quite surprised. And so the range, the, once I, you know, started to generate some speaking gigs, those speaking gigs were with um, large associations, legal associations, you know, where there were law events or uh, barristers chambers events, um, or even just digital events or business events, public events where people wanted to understand, understand about the legal sector and what was happening there. Um you know, so it was a whole range and, and technology from about 2014, 2015, I was being asked to go and speak at more technology related events where some of their clients were lawyers, law firms or GCs and corporates, because I'd worked with GCs and corporates. I'd worked with individual lawyers or groups of lawyers in, you know, the top 100, well, the, the magic circle even. So, you know, top six or top 100 or top 200 in most of the nations around the world. Um and, but also, I've, I've worked with individuals, so uh, qualified solicitors um, and barristers of all ages and all um, stages of their career. So whether they're um, 
newly qualified or associates or partners or those who are looking for retirement even because they were then thinking about their own personal brands as to where they're headed next to get some NED roles or that kind of thing. So it's how to actually be seen and how to position themselves. So taking their expertise and getting the message out there as as to what is their forte. So I've I've been blessed in working with a range of of people. Um, I've obviously worked with the universities and the colleges of law as well. Um, I've worked behind the scenes with... um, the establishment in, in various matters as well, you know, working on things to think about the future, because obviously wearing my legal futurist hat, um, you know, you've got to think about the regulation, the regulatory framework and the environment that we're in now and where we're headed as well. Uh, because mm-hmm. obviously with the idea of um, Robert Lloyd Lisa, that came about with having worked with lawyers and barristers and seen where there was barriers and resistance to embrace technology so, you know, moving on to how the idea of Robot Lisa came about, um, that was very much the stepping in from working with technology companies. So I was a consultant and working with the legal tech companies that wanted to convince lawyers and law firms that should be embracing legal tech and law tech, you know, law tech is in um, mm. allowing consumers and businesses to self-serve, self-help, DIY legal service, basically, because there's a big neglected market. So I've, I've, I've worked on, let's call it both sides. I've kind of been the human interface between the legal sector and the technology companies and businesses um, with a foot in both camps where, you know, basically bringing relationships between the two together so that we're, we're moving on to into the digital age and the age of AI and robotics and what have you, so that humans and machines can work together to better serve their clients. We'll take a short break at this point, as I'd like to mention the Brandtuned series of webinars, which support founders to think through their brand, taking IP into account at the right time, which is before you make firm decisions about what to create. Just visit brandtune.com and the webinars are referenced right there on the homepage. Okay, back to the podcast now. Have you helped lawyers, I'm sure you must have, who have more ordinary commoditized kind of skills um, to be more distinctive and to develop their personal brands and if so how have you helped them to do that yes of course i I mean um the the early days in 2010 immediately once the book was out there up until um well i still do so the last 10 years Mm -hmm. but very much from 2010 to about 2016 the majority of my time was working directly with individual lawyers or groups of lawyers in law firms so in a mix of working with them to help them devise their personal brands that dovetailed nicely with their firm's strategy. So the firm's brand and their strategy and where they were headed with key clients and key sectors and how all that works. So I was directly working with them in the strategic capacity as well as a hands-on, helping identify what would be their niche and their personal brand. And then obviously even supporting in the content and the messaging that's going out there and helping raise their profile so their brand profile, their brand awareness, and what have you. Sometimes writing content on their behalf in a ghosting capacity as well. So, you know, that that is something that, that I did a lot of in 2010-16. Uh, 
I started to make the switch of doing more on the technology side of things from 2015-16 to, to present because basically with the new venture robot lawyer Lisa I was working as a law tech provider to business people in conjunction with human lawyers if that makes sense so um but even along that time frame, I've been a mentor, you know, a consultant and a mentor to individual lawyers remotely throughout the world. You know, I've, I've mentored people in New Zealand, for example, you know, on a regular basis to, to get them to where they want to get to, which was part of positioning themselves with their brand as well as their technological projects as well. So it's kind of been a mixed bag of um, mentorship, consultancy, content creation personal brand and marketing, helping them develop that as well as actively doing some of that on their behalf to help raise their profile so that other potential clients are aware of, of these lawyers that are actually, let's say, putting their heads above the, the ground and, and putting themselves out there um, and and um, quite welcoming the idea of having, having an online personal brand and persona that their potential new clients can relate to. So a brand is very poorly understood in my experience. Most people think it's a logo. Do you actually do workshops to help people to understand what it actually is as a business tool? Yes. Yeah, I, I focus very much on the personal brand and how that dovetails nicely into the um, company brand that, they, that mm -hmm. they're working within that umbrella, if that makes sense. And, and that's absolutely critical and crucial as well because there has to be a synergy between the two. Um, yeah. So, so um, I think the best example I can give is is I I talk about a brand trio actually, you know, so that you're mm -hmm. going to be successful in in how you go about um, relating with existing clients as well as new clients. Um, new clients can relate to the firm brand. Let's call it the company brand. They could relate to a product brand such as a product mm -hmm. might be Robot Lawyer Lisa and an NDA product or the Naked Lawyer book, for example. And then there's mm -hmm. you, the personal brand. So people either remember you, the person, or the product related to a company or you, the person, or the actual company. Uh, and, and a good example of that is um, a lot of corporates or blue chip companies will probably know of the main magic circle firms here in the UK. If they pick up the FT or the Times or Guardian or whatever, the Telegraph, if they see Clifford Chance or Alan and Overy or Slaughter Main mm -hmm. bandied around, they recognize that law firm has a strong brand and those firms are known for X, Y, and Z. Um, other, other, you know, the vast majority of the public won't have a clue, you know, because they won't be reading those kind of um, broadsheet papers or media um, and, and don't really know or care about a law firm brand. They're, they're not interested but they will have seen some lawyer online on LinkedIn or whatever, and they've got to know the person. So there's a, there's a strong personal brand there because the, there's a presence, a personal presence. Or some people might have had a third-party recommendation when they're playing on Facebook one day and seen somebody recommend a book that they were reading, such as The Naked Lawyer. And mm -hmm. they won't have heard of Chrissy Life, The Entrepreneur Lawyer, or Entrepreneur Lawyer Limited, but they'll have remembered the name of the book so when you say oh have you heard of such and such you say no i haven't got a clue what's entrepreneur lawyer but if you say oh well have you heard of the naked lawyer say, oh yeah i've heard of the naked lawyer that kind of thing so mm. i think that the most powerful way to actually get a brand out there it has to be a brand triage 
It has to be a really strong personal brand, such as Chrissy Lightfoot, the entrepreneur lawyer, or um, Gary Asim, the image lawyer. Or, you know, there's mm-hmm. lots of other examples out there. I think my, my good friend over in America, Mitch Jackson, he was known as um, streaming lawyer because he does a lot of law podcasts um, and mm-hmm. video examples, that kind of thing. So a strong personal brand together with a strong product brand to hang your hat on as well. And then it's all about the company brand. You build a company brand as a result of having a strong personal brand and a strong product brand. And that's how I was successful in actually, you know, starting with, you know, Chrissy Lightfoot, the entrepreneur lawyer, getting my name and profile out there is how I was helping clients at that point in time. And then I produced the book. So the Naked Lawyer book was a product brand. And then only at that point was obviously I had a company called Entrepreneur Lawyer that people would start to connect all three. So it meant meant that I had a much bigger reach or depth of reach and more people would understand the person, the product and the company. And therefore, you would be found online or offline because if people were talking as third party ambassadors, if you've got three prongs where new clients can reach you, it's better than just having one. So um, I think I think the point I'm trying to make is if you just have a company brand, a firm brand, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Not nowadays. It really is so important that it's you as the individual are representing that company as an ambassador of the company you work in or with or for. Um, and that's that's part of it. And then if you've got a strong product, that is what your customers and clients actually want to buy from you. So, you know, how, how you're promoting that and getting the message out about your product or your service is really key and vital as well. Yeah, so presumably you don't have a big team behind you and it's um, it's a business that's more a lifestyle business that you're not intending to sell one day. Is that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, Entrepreneur yeah. Lawyer, my company, is, is very much a, a solo consultancy where I have experts that I work with on projects. So... Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, it's very much my own company as a solo practice, but I actively work with all the time other experts to deliver projects that will require different expertise. Basically, how how do you spend your time nowadays working in terms of robot lawyer, Lisa, and doing this sort of consultancy or speaking about naked lawyer-related work? Yeah, it's it's a mix of the two at the moment because obviously Robert Lawyer Lisa has been running for uh, three years now. That does have a team of people that mm-hmm. I manage that are all um, remote workers. So um, I spend half my time on that and half my time on Entrepreneur Lawyer. So my speaking and consultancy and mentoring and writing is, is half my time. The other half is working in and on Robot Lawyer Lisa. It's still very much a startup. We've, we've achieved great things. It's obviously a hugely challenging time right now. Um, yeah. COVID-19, as you can probably appreciate. So um, it's about juggling both of those and, and from my own perspective about, you know, where to focus going forward. But there is a, there's already a, a need. There are, I've, I've received some inquiries that I wasn't expecting for new consultancy work related to marketing and branding. Because I think that lawyers and law firms and, chambers have realized that when they've been forced to change i.e go online even just for communication and it purposes to to continue working remotely and with their clients online and digitally they 
they, from what they're saying, they're saying we won't return to the old way of working. And that also means the old way of how we relate to clients or get clients or keep clients as well. So um, they've come across the Naked Lawyer book. It's still out there, still being sold. And I've been approached already by a handful of partners in law firms who said, are you able to come and help us? So I feel like I've stepped back in time 10 years as, as how it all triggered off back in 2009, 2010. Because we're going through another recession or even a depression, let's hope not. Um, I think there's there's a need, a real need and a real um, desire by yeah. uh, lawyers to think very carefully now about their strategy going forward. Because this we're, we are walking into a new norm. We might be walking into a new regulatory framework environment as well, where there's going to be increasing even more competition. And um, so I can see that some of my time now going forward, I will be doing more consultancy and mentorship speaking side of things it'll be interesting to see um obviously i have done a lot of my speaking engagements which are in person uh those mm. fell by the wayside at the start of the year understandably so because uh, you know i was due to go out uh into asia and america and south africa uh but all of those were cancelled due to covid19 and a lot of the conference events uh, as such understandably the hosts are reluctant at this point in time to plan too far ahead because we're still dealing with the unknown we don't know how long this is going to go on or or how it might flare up again in different nations however obviously there are lots more uh, uh speakers now doing online video uh, webinars uh, as alternatives but the business model may be quite different so there's obviously the opportunity there where I've been asked uh, or will be asked to do more keynotes or panels online, which I'd love to do. I mean, it's something I advocated years ago. And I, I would always say to hosts, look, rather than flying me halfway around the world, why don't we just do this as a video conference where you can put an extra screen up and, and we'll do it that way rather than, than in person. But um, a lot of event hosts understandably do want the speakers there in person because Delegates like to press the flesh. They like to network. They like to pick your brains when you're there. Um, so I would like to see that, that that would reignite at some point. Personally, I think it won't be this year. I think we're looking at 2021 uh, before, yeah. understandably, events organizers will be thinking seriously about putting big events on and when they feel comfortable and, and know a bit more about the virus. Yeah, it's good to hear that law firms are thinking of working on their brands and marketing. So let's just finish by asking you, Chrissy, what is a personal brand that you admire and why? Oh, gosh. Um, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Ah, yes. <laughs> I think absolutely, yes. I think that's because she's just got such a huge brand in um in her good works. The fact that she has proven that as a woman and as a black woman, um she has been hugely successful in um bringing shall we say um uh challenging themes and subjects into the media and very high profile. Um, and, and then use that as well for good causes. So helping people, for example, with um, fitness and well-being uh, to, mm -hmm. to raise um, issues that are fundamental to humankind. So using her brand in a really positive way to bring about positive change. Um, and, and, I, and I think, you know, as, as a, it, she's got a very strong personal brand. If you just say Oprah Winfrey, lots of things pop into your head about the lady. Uh, that, that yeah. I absolutely admire. 
Yeah, great uh, it's, choice. It's, yeah, I think personal brand, it's easy to, to think of the people who are obviously in the media or who are celebrities or heads of state, uh, footballers, that kind of thing, because that's natural. Um, you know, but David Beckham's a, a fantastic brand. If you think it's just Bex, the name Bex. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, and, and then what you think of that, well, you think of his football, of course you do. But then you think about all of his other ventures that he's involved in with his whiskey. So he's using his personal brand to promote different types of products or the companies off the back of the strength of his personal brand. You know, you look at personal brands now of celebrities where if they're on Instagram uh, as such and they've got millions of followers, they're able to just attract, you know, uh, advertising deals. The fact that they have millions of people who hang on every word that they say. Um, but there are people like you and me, Shireen, who are just ordinary, everyday people making their way in life, making a living, who have a profile online that mm-hmm. you know, they, they're, it's about getting your expertise. They're known for their expertise in what they do and how they go about doing it you know, as a thought leader or, or an expert in a particular field, which is really important. And so you have personal brands within communities as such. So my idea of a personal brand is the communities that I tend to step into that I could probably give lots of examples of, whereas there'll be hundreds of thousands of other personal brands in those different networks and communities that are niches that are really highly relevant to, to people um, who share similar leisure interests or business interests, for example. Mm. Yeah, yeah, lots of micro communities. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk, you know, the, the space community, you, you probably think in Richard Branson, mm. Elon Musk, NASA, you know, people within NASA, you know, the mathematicians and what have you. Um, Hanson Robotics as a, as a firm and the people involved in all of that. And then certain personal personalities within those industries and sectors will stand out more than others. Yeah, I think it's so important in the 21st century for people to actually realize that they need to have a personal brand and not hide behind their businesses. Well, it's vital. And I think if you notice, all of the top CEOs in the world have strong mm. personal brands. And there's a reason for that. It's so that customers can actually relate to the company. It still yeah. needs to have a human face to the company. Are uh, lawyers doing this enough, do you think? No. No, it's, mm. it's, it still surprises me, actually. You know, this is 10 years since I set about doing this. Um, and I, I, I actually read a really interesting tweet a few days ago. And it was a tweet by a, a partner in, in one of the um, top law firms, you know, what we class as a top 20, who had commented and said, I've been talking to my colleagues for the last year about embracing technology, about how we go about getting clients and marketing and we've done nothing and now we find ourselves in this hole and this problem now and I just immediately thought well the last year this this process should have happened 10 years ago this process should have started 10 years ago you know the internet digital media using LinkedIn Twitter your personal brand your online marketing or whatever a lot of lawyers and law firms have taken too long and it's still Mm. not a majority you know when you look at you know, um, the technology side of things as well, using technology as a marketing tool to attract clients. You know, a lot of law firms are using technology for the wrong purpose. They're not getting the right return on investment because they're using it as just a marketing gimmick, which isn't right. Well, it isn't right or wrong, but it certainly isn't the right way or purpose. You should be looking at why you're going to use technology in law firm. Um, 
that there's lots of questionable things happening and, and there's a lot that still hasn't happened. I'm, I'm still surprised that I'm being asked to consult on this subject that to me is, you know, old school. This, you know, mm. a topic and a subject that has been around before I started that I'm still quite shocked at how there are many, many tens, hundreds of thousands of lawyers out there, and I'm just talking, you know, in the UK as well as globally, that, you know, haven't even heard of some basic tools like Zoom, you know, or Skype. You know, and, and I just find that really shocking, actually. I mean, obviously, they're all aware of it now because they're all working remotely yes. and forced to use these tools. But, you know, imagine if that could be the same about, you know, do you really understand the importance of personal brand together with a product brand, together with a firm brand? You know, this message has been out there, maybe not all joined up. I mean, I, I did that for a purpose because I know it, it's really powerful. But there's certainly lots of other um, brilliant brand strategists out there who talk about how to devise a personal brand and then separately there's brand strategists all about company brand and then there's obviously other brand strategists about product or service brand so mm-hmm. you know it's, it's about joining the dots and having the connectedness to bring them together and to use them in the right way to to really have a powerful proposition into the marketplace that will attract those ideal clients because part about being brave about a lawyer as well it's actually turn away the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay to not do some of the stuff you don't want to do or that you have to do and just say, no, that doesn't fit with my true calling or my true expertise and how I know there's a fit between me and my personality and characteristic as a personal brand and what I'm doing for my client. You need to be working with the right clients um, that, that fit with, with your expertise and, and how you position that personal brand to attract those clients as well. Um, there's, there's still quite a few lawyers that take work just for the sake of it rather than thinking actually this isn't the right fit and it's, mm. it's really important when you have team dynamics to get the right lawyer who has the right personal brand and the characteristics and the traits and the skill sets in a team for a particular client and uh, I have seen that at work and it works brilliantly when it's done right and when it isn't obviously there's more there's more challenges throughout the project when that's the case yeah Wow, that's really interesting. Thank you very much indeed, Chrissy. Thank you, Shireen. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I wish you every success. I think the only thing I haven't mentioned, if I can just quickly say this, is um, with part of my business background coming into be, then becoming a lawyer, um, I had a real keen interest in IP law. Because obviously, when I was dealing with marketing and branding in businesses and the businesses I was working with, I could see that that was a really crucial and critical area going forward in the next 10, 20, 30 years, because I could see that as as obviously more online businesses evolved, IP protection and exploitation was going to be a, a, a huge area and absolutely sure. crucial as well for protecting brands, you know, protecting trademarks, protecting um, uh, personal brands, images, image rights and what have you. So the the area that you're in, you know, that it, it's absolutely. I, I don't think business people really appreciate how fundamental IP is in relating in relation to their brands. So you know, before yeah. you think about having a personal brand or a product brand or a company brand, you know, looking at the names, they should actually go and talk to a solicitor before they even register a name or the company. 
you know, multiple. Exactly. You have to look at IP strategically in order well, to get powerful IP. You, you do, because, you know, if you come up with a great name, well, that's great. But if if, if you're infringing somebody else's name or, or similar logo or mm. strap line somewhere else in, in the UK or internationally, then you're going to limit the um, the footprint that you can have with a unique brand, a personal brand, a product brand and a company brand. Um, and I see yeah, and there's so understand. much more. Mm. There's so much more to protecting brands than trademarks. You know, people tend to understand trademark registration, but there's so many other aspects of it, which is why I'm writing my book to integrate branding with IP. Mm. Well, it is because I mean the, the design rights. You know, the logo, the design. It's it's quite separate, mm. isn't it? So yeah, there's so yeah. much to think about, and I don't think business people actually appreciate that. So if, if you know, I'd I'd love to read your book when it's out, and and particularly if mm. it's focused for business people to understand, because it's I mean, it's, yes, it it's, is. Yes, it's really really important because it would save a lot of time and money. Because if you go at this wrong, then you've got to backtrack and you've got to reinvest. You know, some people have had to exactly. you know, destroy all of their company literature and website logos and all the rest of it and faff around with accountants getting names changed at company's house and all the rest. It's it's really, really a crucial subject. And and um, you know, if you're gonna write a book on it, well fantastic. I'll I'll be I'll be the first ambassador of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. Lovely speaking to you then. Bye. Likewise, thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brand Tuned, where we aim to answer the question, what does it take to create a successful business and brand? I'd love it if you would take a moment to give me a review. If you have any questions, send me a message. You can find me on LinkedIn or most other social media platforms or on my personal website at shereensmith.com.